glory. What's going on? You got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump the me. Golly. Over the tackle of the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast brought to you by the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTFPodNet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And of course, you can find my awesome co-host, Dennis Bennett, at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. You can also find all of our podcasts and many others, such as Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto of SiriusXM, Bob Lung of the award-winning Consistency Football Guide, Fantasy Football Guide, I'm sorry, Anthony Servino of Fantasy Faceoff, and many others on the full-time fantasy Dot com website. Check them out. Today's podcast, we are wrapping up our camp battle series. We will be talking about the NFC West, all four teams, most of their positions because it feels like tight end is kind of a wasteland here in this entire division outside of the San Francisco 49ers, which we all know why, Mr. George Kittle, who is an absolute stud. But that will wrap up our Camp Battle Series, so I'll be bringing Dennis on here, well, right now, so we can go ahead and wrap this up and then really start to focus in on rankings, college football, NFL training camps, and everything starting on Monday. Hello! What's going on, Dennis? How are we doing today? No, I was doing great until I was setting up my computer and I banged my shin on my son's bed frame. Now my old ass is in a whole lot of pain. So if you hear me groaning and grunting, think nothing of it. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say something. Maybe that's just the, the I, well, I shouldn't say benefit, of maybe a, uh, an effect of getting old. Because, I mean, I, I'm already getting creaky bones as well. Maybe that's just due to all the injuries I've suffered in my life. But just moving around, if I, if I wasn't muting myself... When I was getting up and down in here, you'd hear some bones and then all kinds of stuff popping. It's not pleasant. No, it's, on second review, it looks like I drew blood. So. Oh yeah, well that's that's a good knock then, right there, buddy. So you're you know you got the blood flowing a little bit. You should be able to you know just push through it. That's what all the NFL players do, right? I'm pushing, man. I'm pushing. Well, there you go. I'm gonna. I play hurt. Yeah, there we go. I appreciate. It. I appreciate you showing up and playing hurt. This is your battlefield right here, and I appreciate you pushing through. That's so, right. So we're we're we're. I strapped on the headset. Here. I'm gonna power through. <laughs> That's exactly. So before we get into the camp battles, as I mentioned there in the intro, um, we just want to remind you guys again that me and Dennis will be at the Fantasy Football World Championship September 5th through 8th in Las Vegas. Uh, we will be recording live from Radio Row. Uh, obviously, we will be doing the podcast from there, which technically won't be live, but we will be doing some Twitter live stuff. I'm, I'm thinking about maybe doing the doing part of the show ha- uh, live on Twitter and then on, also on Facebook. Maybe get some questions from you guys while we're there and give you guys an inside look of that. Again, that'll be in Las Vegas at the Palms Resort. We will be there doing the podcast on the 6th and 7th. I know Dennis will be there on Thursday for the kickoff party, which I imagine is going to be a ball. So you'll have to give us some kind of uh, info and, and dirt on that when we do the podcast on Friday. 
Yeah, it's going to be lit, as the kids would say. <laughs> that, supposedly, that is what the kids say. I try to avoid all of that that jargon. Uh, but today, we are finally... I'm trying to skew younger. Hey, that's all right. You know, we, we got to hit those demographics. That's, you know, we're working on that, too. We'll, we'll, we'll uh... I don't know what else we need to hit on. What other demographics? So we'll, I'll, I'll start learning some other us. Uh, I'll learn some second second languages here, so we can start talking fantasy football in Spanish, German, French. Si. We'll just knock it all out, all in one da. podcast. Uh, but oui. yeah, we are we are wrapping up our camp battle series. This is the last one that we have before we really start jumping into a lot of 2019 content, and then uh, some college football and Debbie content, as I talked about the other day, which I'm excited about. We booked a special guest for that. That episode I know is going to be a lot of fun. I, I personally am already really excited about that. We are doing the NFC West today, so we're going to start with the Los Angeles Rams. No real battle at the QB position, as we know Jared Goff is the starter there. However, in Superflex Leagues and in Deep Dynasty Leagues, I do think Blake Bortles could be an interesting add. Not that I think he'll be the starter, but I do think he could be a capable backup in that offense if Jared Goff were to get hurt. Noted he has not really shown us any propensity to get hurt so far in his football career. My question with Jared Goff is he is going into his, um, my goodness, I just lost my train of thought. He's going into his uh, contract year. So do you think he is worth the top five QB money that he likely could get paid with the Rams? Well, it, it's going to come down to the old chicken or the egg conversation. Uh we saw what golf was like with Jeff Fisher. So was it all, all Jeff Fisher's fault? Uh, we've seen what golf is like with Sean McVay. Is it all Sean McVay's uh, play calling and ability? Uh, how much of it is actually golf? So was golf good and Fisher screwed it up? Or was golf not good and McVay made him look better? Uh, I suspect that golf is going to get the big contract. He, uh, unlike. Uh, Let's see, the last show we talked about uh, who Dak Prescott uh, and felt like he would land somewhere in the 5 to 10 range uh, in quarterback salary rankings. I do think Goff stands to be put right up near the top, maybe the top when he signs his deal, especially if the Rams come out and make a strong playoff run again this year. Uh, I'm right there with you. Sorry, I was. Uh, I just realized that I had myself on uh, on mute. All right, so yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like this. He he plays a lot into the Dak conversation that we were having the other day when we did the NFC East. I don't think that he. I don't think Goff is a bad quarterback, and I would actually kind of say he's pretty close to Dak Prescott. Uh, obviously, he doesn't do quite as much as Dak does with his legs, um, and I do think that he benefits more from this offense and the way that Sean McVay runs it. I, I really think that that is what's really helped Jared Goff look a lot better than maybe he possibly is more of a system quarterback, if that makes sense. I just I, – I don't know. I, I, I don't know if – I feel like the Rams are going to pay him. I don't think he's worth that money, I guess is the best way to put it. Kind of like Dak. Like, I think if – what it, was it we, we had, we're, when we were talking about Dak, he was more like the – we thought he should get paid right around the $30 million mark, right? Is that what we were talking about? Right. Like that, right that $30 million would put him tied for fifth with Matt Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I think – so would you say that that's a fair deal for golf, or do you think he'll get more or less than that? I, I think he'll get more. I think he's going to push uh, 
up there in the Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, 34, 35 million range. I, unfortunately, I just think it's sort of how the system is rigged now. Yeah. It, and he did take them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's gonna. A lot of credit goes to Sean McVay, but uh, you know, Sean McVay's not out there throwing the passes. That's true, but Sean McVay is telling him who to throw the ball to most times up until like 15 seconds left in the thing. He's like, throw it to Cooper Cup. So I, I'm right there. I, I there we go. I was gonna say my little catchphrase we were talking about the other day. And I'm trying right there to with you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think if they can do something like what we talked about with Dak, or if they can pay him right around $30 million, I think that'd be perfect for him and for the Rams. I don't – they don't really have a lot of other players coming up, I don't think. I have, I have to look more into that because I honestly don't know much about it. Uh, obviously, they paid Aaron Donald and Todd Gurley, who are their big players already. Uh, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, I mean, Cooper Cup's still probably on his rookie deal for another two years, so – yeah, I mean, that, that's tough for me. I would imagine you're right, and they're likely going to, but I think if you could get him for right around that $30 million mark, that would help the franchise out a lot more and keep them contenders for longer. So that'll be something interesting to watch. I do think he likely is going to try and come out this year and put up a ton of points and a lot of stats to try and help pad those numbers to get himself a better contract as well. Yeah, they have, uh, let's see, Greg Zerline's coming up in twenty. Dante Fowler, uh, Whitworth. Uh, this I don't know if Whitworth resigns. He might just decide to call it a day. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. I mean, out of defensive those... tackle Brockers, cornerback Akib Talib, they all are up for contracts uh, after twenty twenty. So, you know, there's. Yeah, I mean, out of those, maybe what Brockers and someone that you had Greg Zerline, but Zerline's not going to cost you that much, even though he is Greg the Leg. He's not going to. You're not going to blow the bank to get him. Right. I mean, yeah, out of those two, I mean, I, w- I would keep um, Andrew Whitworth personally if he wanted to stay, though. Again, he's, uh, he's what, 36, 37, I think? I know that's what yeah, we were he's, talking about when he's he made it to the Super up Bowl. There. So, I mean, if he, 37. Wanted, if he wanted to come back, I wouldn't mind paying him on, like, maybe a one-year contract, see if he wanted to come back. Because I still think he's an elite offensive lineman. But if he doesn't, yeah, th- I think for me, Brockers and Zerline would be the only two that I'd want to pay. I mean, Fowler – has the talent, he just hasn't really shown it in Jacksonville or in Los Angeles. So I, maybe with uh, with Sue leaving this year, it'll help kind of free up some more more tackles or possibly Fowler a chance to make more plays being opposite, or I would assume playing on the other side of Aaron Donald, or at least getting Donald eating up more of that offensive line, allowing Fowler to get in there and try and make some plays on the quarterback. Yeah, they're, they're actually in a pretty good situation uh if they if they structure the contract for golf and extend him uh, after this year or even maybe during the season and front loaded the first couple of years, they might be in a pretty good situation uh, to not have to be forced to renegotiate in 2023 or 2022. So we'll see how their front office does. Yeah. Well, much like at the quarterback position, there's no real battle at the running back position either with Todd Gurley, we know, being the workhorse there. Oh, but there is. Didn't you hear? Todd Gurley is through. Oh, I don't know about that. I I have, um, you know, read his demise in the papers and all over the internet. I have yet to believe that that is actually going to happen, though. Um, I do think... 
that Todd Gurley is going to take a little bit of a lesser workload. So that's why I have the question. He's actually averaged over, well, not average. He's had over 250 carries every single season so far that he has been in the NFL. So my question to you, do you think that he will get more or less of with 230 carries this year knowing he has Henderson and Kelly behind him. And mind you, I'm just talking about carries. I'm not even adding in all the catches that he has caught in the past couple years as well, where he is right up there with the best of them at the running back position in the passing game as well. So what was the number, 230? 230. So that's 20 less than what he has gotten the past couple years that he's been in the league. Now, and grant you, he missed two games last year, one game in 17. So, 17, he likely would have been pushing 300 carries, 285 carries, maybe 290 carries last year if he played all 16. So, I'm going to say that, yes, 230 is is, uh, where he's going to come in right at 230-ish. Okay. I, I I just think that... With the number of, uh, you know, even if he cuts back, that's still, you know, 40 carries less, 40 or 50 carries less than what he was on plan for. So if you take some of those carries away, take a few of the targets away, you know, you, that, that helps to keep him fresh, fresher. Yeah. Well, I agree with you. And that, that's what I think they're going to do. I, I know I've seen all the talks about him. You have them coming out and saying that there might still be something wrong with his knee. He's coming out and saying he's fine. Just wait till training camp and we'll see. Well, we're, we're here. Training camps are opening up, so we'll see here soon. I think that his demise has been wildly overrated. I do think that Todd Girl, I, I know we've both talked about it. We think that he's going to take a step back from that number one overall RB. Makes sense, especially with the workload he's had the past couple years. But both of us don't see him dropping out of the top ten. I would actually be kind of surprised if he drops out of the top five or six. I still think he's going to be up there and put up a lot of points. Where I think the reason they brought in Henderson was to kind of help him with that. Like, you know, an NFL, not NFL, NBA thing, workload management kind of thing, where they're going to allow him some time off, more plays off, and allow Henderson, who is a very good running back, to come in there and bloody those defenders a little bit and, and kind of be that battering ram that Todd Gurley has shown he can be at times as well, but allow Todd Gurley maybe to be more of a finesse player. Now, I'm not saying that Henderson's going to get 40 or 50% of the carries. I imagine it's still probably going to be like a 70, 30, 80, 20 split between the two. But I do think Henderson is going to get more more work and more play than we've seen another running back get in Los Angeles since Gurley has been there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think they're going to look to get Henderson in space, maybe give him a few passing opportunities. Um, Kelly is a capable pass catcher, but he's a tough runner inside. So if for some reason, Gurley was to miss time. Uh, I could see it being, you know, uh, a split backfield, running back by committee with Henderson getting more of the passing game work and Kelly the rush game work. You know, the the, the outlier or the wild card is uh, Malcolm Brown. You know, they did yeah. bring him back. They, they matched the offer sheet. <clears throat> so... 
does that mean that Kelly really struggled, uh, that he's still struggling in the offseason to get a grip on the offense? Um, you know, if, if so, it may be Brown in Henderson, depending on how well Henderson picks up the offense. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I like John Kelly. Uh, you know, I like Daryl Henderson, too. It, it all honestly comes down to price. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like uh... – that's kind of the interesting thing is John Kelly was kind of everyone's darling last year, and this and this exact conversation is everybody's talking about, well, Todd Gurley will likely need to get some plays off, and Kelly can come in there and do that. And then we really didn't see that that much of Kelly, whether it was because he was still struggling with the offense or whatever happened. And then they went out and drafted Daryl Henderson, and, and so now it's kind of a who's – Who's who, and I actually forgot all about Malcolm Brown there for a second. So even adding him in there as well is going to be an interesting little fight for that kind of backup spot there for Todd Gurley. That's going to be something really interesting to watch in camp and in those preseason games for the Rams because if Todd Gurley misses some games, that is going to be crucial for Gurley owners to make sure they get the right backup running back. Yeah, it's good. it, it could end up being one of those situa- situations where Kelly is – the, the direct backup, very much in a Cameron artist pain kind of way, meaning that he really he's not going to be active unless Gurley is out because Malcolm Brown, who's been around a couple of years now, uh, has established himself as a special teamer and a, a capable backup, um, not, not anything special, but and Henderson being explosive, uh, you could see a you know Cameron Artist Payne type of situation, I think, with Kelly. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on that. Um, for the wide receivers, so we know who the three guys are. It's not not a secret to anybody. It's going to be Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, and Cooper Cup. So with those three guys, my question for you is: we we at least I think I guess I should ask you. I shouldn't assume that that you think this. All three are going to be fantasy relevant. Yes, I mean you think all three have a chance to finish in wide receiver one or two territory. I think uh, I think that the possibility is there. I mean they pass the ball. What they run. Uh, 568 pass plays last year you know it's a shame that they don't throw the ball to Gerald Everett more and make him a, a bigger part of the offense yeah we'll get to those guys <laughs> but uh what uh Cooper Cup where was his uh so he had 55 targets last year in eight games so he was on 110 target pace Woods had 130 Cooks 117 um Josh Reynolds had 53, so I feel like Reynolds essentially soaked up exactly what Cup was going to get. So the 130 and 117 are fairly good representation of what Cooks and Woods would get. Mm -hmm. So that being said, if you have three wide receivers at 100-plus targets, uh, they all play they they all have a different role in that offense to execute and and they all execute that role very well so even if cup ends up being the one with the lowest amount of targets and the fewest receptions or maybe he has more receptions than uh uh, woods or excuse me cooks Um, but Cooks has uh, more targets, more yardage. Cup is kind of the red zone guy out of the three. Um, 
he's the safety blanket close to the line. Woods is the intermediate, and Cook's the deep threat. So when the, all three of them are clicking, it really makes for uh, an offense that has a lot of options going. So I definitely feel like one of them can be a back-end uh, wide receiver one. The other two, you know, I could see in PPR especially um, Wood, Woods and Cup putting up wide receiver two numbers. All right, so with that being said, I have the ADPs for all of them based on the, the FFWC. So you've got uh, Brandon Cooks is the first one off the board with a ADP of 38. Then Robert Woods is coming off the board with an ADP of 43. And then Cooper Cup just seven picks behind him with an ADP of 50. So they're all being drafted within a fair amount of each other. So if you had to pick one of those guys to own in fantasy football, which one would it be for you? Um, well, you've got, what, uh, early fourth, mid-fourth, and early fifth? Yeah. You know, a lot of it is, honestly, it comes down to what my picks have been leading up to it. You know, if I go running back, running back, wide receiver, running back, I might be inclined to take uh, one of them earlier in the the fifth round. Uh, If I go wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, wide receiver, I'm probably, maybe I go late uh, in the fifth round. For me, I kind of try to look at value and roster construction and see where the value is at and Obviously, if we think all three of them are going to be at least wide receiver twos, you you take the cheapest one. So you would take Cooper Cup. Probably. Um, I I don't know. I I I probably rank them as I think about it in my head. Uh, I like Cooks, and in the fourth round, early fourth round, if Cooks is there, I probably take Cooks. Uh, I, I like the explosiveness that he brings, uh, and he has a track record. He's gone over a thousand yards, I think, almost each year of his career. Yeah, uh, he he's he is a, a decent touchdown maker because uh, because of the big playability. So I don't have any issues going Cooks at what was the pick thirty eight, which yes, is 30. the second pick of the fourth round. Yeah, you know, to me that's a that's a pretty solid. Uh, play there but yeah, so let's see that, that's rushing let's see receiving cooks uh, had what five touchdowns last year yeah that's who i would go with that that would have been my pick would be brandon cooks i just think he's a little bit more consistent than both now cooper cup could prove me wrong on that and could come back and look like he did the end of his rookie year obviously the injury there's no way to know where the how he'll bounce back i think a lot of people are drafting him hoping that he's going to come back and kind of be Jared Goff's, uh, you know, dump-off guy and best friend like he it seemed to be his, uh, fr- I was going to say freshman year, his rookie year in the NFL. Uh, but for me, I take Brandon Cooks. I just I like his upside more, and I think he has a chance to be more consistent every week. And like you just said, the second pick in the fourth round, so he's likely going to be your second or third wide receiver depending on how uh, you drafted. I mean, that, he has a chance to be a wide receiver one, but at worst, probably a high end to middle wide receiver two. For me, that's a perfect spot to get to get a wide receiver like that. 
Uh, you mentioned Gerald Everett there um, just a couple minutes ago and how you wish that the uh, Rams would use them more in the offense. They really don't really use the tight end, unfortunately. So Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby, and Johnny Munt, do any of them have any kind of fantasy value for you whatsoever? You know, Everett is a best ball kind of guy. So if I'm playing best ball, I, I don't mind picking him late as my third tight end. Um, we, we did see last year, he is he does have some explosiveness to his game. He was uh, second fastest tight end coming out in his class behind Evan Ingram. Um, unfortunately for him, it just comes down to what the uh, Rams do with their offensive scheme. So hopefully one of those tight ends, Higby or Everett, move on here when their contract is up, and one of them can get the full 85 targets that they give to the tight end instead of having to split it. Yeah, um, I mean, if we're talking best ball, best ball, I guess give me Gerald Everett. Otherwise, I am avoiding all of them at, at all costs. I, I have no faith in any of them. The Seattle Seahawks, they finished second in the division last year and made the playoffs, losing to the Dallas Cowboys in the first round. No battle at QB. Russell Wilson is their solidified starter. He got paid. We got to see a very creepy video of him and Sierra <laughs> laying in bed together talking about him getting paid. Congratulations to him, though, for being married to Sierra because she, she is a beautiful woman. So moving on to the RB, the classic uh, battle here that everybody's been talking about for what feels like two years now. Uh, well, I mean, it has been two years. I meant to say like a million years. Uh, Chris Carson or Rashad Penny? Obviously, Chris Carson... Uh, Played much better through most of the year last year. However, I will give Rashad Penny a little bit of due. He did play fairly well toward the end of the season last year. So I already know which way you're going to go, but just in case this is someone's first time listening to this podcast, Dennis, who do you think is going to lead the backfield in Seattle? Boy, I I, I still believe it's going to be Penny. Um which pains me a little, a little bit because I liked Carson coming out of college and I still like Carson. Uh, they had 534 rushing attempts last season, which was, I think, second behind the Ravens. Mm-hmm. So if, if they can split up the, that 534 and get, you know, 200 for one of them and, 240 for the other one or 220 and 260 they, if they stay that run heavy um, you know both of them could be viable uh, very viable as uh, RB1s RB2s it, it comes down to uh, Penny for me is I, I like his explosiveness Carson is solid he's he's gonna he can make a person miss uh, he's got good power he's Decent enough pass catcher. Um, you know, he averaged 4.7 yards an attempt last year, and Penny averaged 4.9. But it, I, I just feel like Penny has – I like – whenever I can get explosiveness in my running backs, I, I try to take it. Mm-hmm. Penny has the size to be a good inside runner, 220 pounds. Um and so he's built to be able to carry the load, and Carson is as well. To me, it comes down to uh, I usually end up with neither if I'm drafting right now because 
Penny goes, uh, or Carson goes earlier to people who believe he's going to keep the job. And Penny uh, gets sniped from me because I, I feel like, well, if, no, if they believe in Carson, I can keep waiting and I take something else. And, and I'm looking for an extreme value and I end up losing out on him. So I, I do like Penny and Carson. So whenever I got to be honest, on every, just about every team I have one of them, I have both of them. Well, that's the way to go. So, for me right now, it's still Carson. Uh, again, I've never been that big of a believer in Rashad Penny, but he did show that he could be a decent back at times last year, especially at the end of the year. Uh, but I do think they're going to go with Chris Carson first. Now, does Rashad Penny end up taking over that role? That is something that needs to be watched, and that's something I personally am going to pay very close attention to in the training camp talks and in the preseason games to see just how much work is getting split between the two of them. I do agree with you. If they're going to end up giving both of them, say, 200 carries or right around that, I think they could both be very fantasy relevant because I could see Rashad Penny getting himself a couple of really long touchdown runs, and I could see Chris Carson getting a bunch of touchdowns being kind of that bowling ball down there by the, by the red zone. So I could see both being extremely fantasy relevant. We know Seattle has always wanted to run the ball. They've, they've been a run-the-ball first team for a very long time now. However, the, the ADPs on them have flipped, actually. It is not the way that it had been leading up to this podcast. So up till about a week or two ago, Chris Carson was going ahead of Rashad Penny in most drafts, and based on the ADP, they were about a round split. The ADP has now changed based on the recent draft. So, again, this is all based on the FFWC, which uh, we are a part of with the Full-Time Fantasy Network. Rashad Penny is now being drafted with an ADP of 70.62. and or, I'm sorry, or, or right around the 68 mark. I was looking at the average. I'm sorry. So, right around 68. And Chris Carson is going at 72. So, just four picks apart are the two of them going. So, I think that lends even more credence to what you were just talking about in – in every draft, there's either a Chris Carson believer or a Rashad Penny believer, and they're grabbing them there. And I think that's what's making the ADP so close together because they're trying to grab one of those two in those rounds, and it does seem split. There are not a lot of people that think both can survive in fantasy. It's either you believe in Chris Carson and you hate Rashad Penny, or you believe in Rashad Penny and you hate Chris Carson is what it seems to be here as of late. Yeah, it, the, you know, fantasy owners hate the running back by committee. Yeah. But I think if, if you have to have a committee back, this is a great one to have a committee back just because of the sheer volume of running plays that Seattle runs. Well, speaking of them running the ball, that means that they're likely not going to be passing the ball that much. We did see Tyler Lockett have a really good year being a viable deep threat for Russell Wilson. Uh, they had zero incompletions when throwing deep to – or not throwing deep to each other. Russell Wilson was only throwing to Lockett. Lockett was not throwing to Wilson. Um, but they had a really great year. A lot of people are skeptical that Tyler Lockett can repeat that success. However, Tyler Lockett, David Moore – and DK Metcalf seem to be kind of locked into the top three spots right now in the Seattle offense. There's been a lot of talk coming out from uh, DK Metcalf in the Seattle camps now that he looks a lot better running routes. I've been a big fan of DK Metcalf. He did look a little robotic in some of his route running. However, some of the stuff I have seen lately, again, not against defenders. He's against cones. Cones don't fight back, so it could change when the, when the games start up. But he has looked a little bit better. 
there are guys that a lot of people are excited about, though. So I want to ask you just about a couple of these guys. Do you think any of them have a chance to possibly make themselves fantasy relevant on this team over what I would assume would be David Moore getting moved to the bench? Because I don't think DK Metcalf will with him being that high pick, and then obviously Tyler Lockett. Or would you agree that Tyler Lockett is likely their best wide receiver on the roster right now? Oh, yeah. I I definitely think so. I think Lockett and uh, and Wilson have chemistry together, yeah. and Lockett has shown that he can move around the formation. So there's, there's comfort there. He can get open from anywhere, and, uh, you know, he showed last year that he, he can be efficient and he can get in the end zone. All right, yeah, and I'm, I'm in full agreement with you there on Lockett. Um, so that does, like I said, leave you kind of with DK Metcalf and David Moore. Now, again, maybe with DK Metcalf being as raw as he is, he will get moved to the bench. There's really only two guys that I'm seeing a lot of talk about. They do have Jerron Brown, Amara Darbo, Jazz Ferguson, Gary Jennings, uh, Keenan Reynolds and John, I'm, uh, I don't know how to say his name. I'm bad Ola at it. BC. No, not him, the other guy. Is it oh. Ur- oh, Ursua. Ursua. Okay, I was going to say Ursua. Yes. Oh, it's Ola BC Johnson in Minnesota. Gotcha. John yeah. Ursua. John Ursua. Okay, so a lot of people are talking about Gary Jennings and John Ursua. They are the two that are kind of getting a lot of hype. Out of, I guess, those four, Metcalf, Moore, Ursua, and Ferguson, I'm not sorry, Ferguson, Jennings, who do you think ends up getting those last two spots in Seattle? Well, it'll come down to the special teams guys. So, you know, Darbo and and Jerron Brown kind of have already established that. Uh, Ursua was a very highly productive uh, wide receiver. I believe he played at Hawaii. Yeah. Um, And uh, he played in kind of a run-and-shoot style offense. So he did put up a lot of of catches out of the slot. So he he could... uh, push his way onto the depth chart. Um, the other guy, Jennings, you know, he was kind of, he played in West Virginia with Will Greer, and, you know, he had one year where he played almost exclusively from the slot and caught like 96 passes and one touchdown, and then he followed it up with a year playing almost exclusively outside where he only caught like 65 passes or 70 passes but had like nine touchdowns. So he, he's versatile, but he's a little bit older, had a l- little bit later breakout age. Uh, or, or Sua had the later breakout age. Um, I feel like with the number of rookies that they have, they're going to be trying to uh, stash at least one of them on their practice squad. Uh, if any of them can break out, I, you know, I like Jennings' film. I, I saw a decent amount of Jennings while I was watching and developing my man crush on Will Greer. <laughs> so uh, I, I would expect that, you know, the top three are going to be Lockett, Metcalf, and Moore. And Metcalf is going to be the big play explosion, low-volume guy. You know, I could see Metcalf having two and three target games. Uh, you know, I could see him with you know having a two-catch, 103 yards, and one touchdown kind of game. Versus Moore, who I could see having, you know, seven targets for six catches and 54 yards. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, if I had to pick two for me, I'm, I'm going to stick with the two that I first talked about in David Moore and DK Metcalf. Uh, like I said, I, I liked what I saw out of David Moore last year, a relative kind of unknown going into the season. At least I don't remember anybody talking about him. Really kind of showed up and looked good, especially with as much as we saw Doug Baldwin uh, being out last year. And, and I just believe in DK Metcalf's ability. He, Yes, he's raw. He is not going to be someone you're going to see out there running multiple routes. His route tree is limited, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. With his size, speed, and skill, I think he has a chance to be a dynamic threat for them, especially down the field. You know, you don't have the questions about his hands. If it was something where he was fast, big, strong, and couldn't catch the ball, I'd be a little bit worried about him. But he can catch the ball, and Russell Wilson is an extremely accurate quarterback as well. So I like DK Metcalf. I think he has a chance to be real, not really good this year, but I still think he has a chance to, to make a, a, a nice little – little spot on the radar there for you at a at a wide receiver position probably a wide receiver three in fantasy uh, but those would be the two that I would take you know if you're in a dynasty league and you want to take Ursua or Jennings I would take Jennings over Ursua but it would be a very very late pick and hoping that he pops here in the next year or two or three depending on I guess you know wide receivers now it seems to develop and develop in three years Last but not least for the Seattle Seahawks, much, I get, in all honesty, like uh, like the Rams, the tight end position does not have much fantasy value. We did see Will Disley have like a really good three-week run last year before he got hurt. Um, likely, I believe, will be back at some point in time this year, but I, I don't think he's going to be available for the start of the season. So you're looking at Ed Dixon and Nick the Net. Uh, do either one of them spike your interest for fantasy? You know, Dixon few years ago flashed some ability when he was in Baltimore you know Vanette has shown a couple flashes I think just with the nature of what Seattle's offense is they're not neither one I believe will be really fantasy relevant I think they're both they're good NFL tight ends not superstars by any stretch of the imagination you know may have a, a three or four catch game here or there touchdown because they're big and good red zone targets but for the most part i'm i'm pretty much avoiding the uh seattle tight end situation as am i and speaking of the not just seattle um tight end position but just getting great fantasy advice in general dennis where can people come and meet you in person and ask you personal advice on their fantasy teams spin the wheel of knowledge and all kinds of other cool stuff this august (laughs) Well, I will be hanging out on August 18th in Canton, Ohio at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo. I'm pretty stoked about it. There are going to be some great guys there, some other great podcasts represented. The Bob Lung, and the award-winning Consistency Guide, and Big Guy Fantasy Sports will be there. Dynasty Nerds, Rotoviz, Fantasy Footballers will be represented. It's going to be a whole lot of great people. Uh you know, there'll be live podcasting going on up on the stage. We're going to do a mock draft. Currently, we're talking about doing a, uh, there's talk going around about doing a live draft league going on uh, for a charity event, and we'll see what's going on. There'll be people giving, you know, I don't want, TED Talks, I guess, is probably the best <laughs> way to characterize it, on uh, on different topics, you know, Drafting strategy, trading strategy, dynasty, redraft, 
all, all the cool things uh, that you do in fantasy football. Uh, it's going to be a blast. It's only uh, $20, but if you register and use uh, promo code Knights, K-N-I-G-H-T-S, you'll get $5 off. Yeah, and, and included in that, you also get a, a awesome swag bag when you walk into the event, which will likely have upwards of $100 worth in value. So you alone right there will get your money's worth, not including all the great advice you can get from all of the great podcasts and uh, analysts and just fantasy football industry folks that will be there. It should be a lot of fun. If you guys are up in the Ohio or Canton area around August 18th, I would make plans to be there because it will be well worth your time. Moving on to the San Francisco 49ers, had a disappointing year last year, mostly due to the fact that their star quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, got injured, um, have been building quite a young and good-looking team somewhat on paper, but has yet to kind of produce that on the field. Obviously, again, no battle at quarterback Nick Mullins and why did I forget his name? Oh, my goodness. Um, what is Bethard, C.J. Bethard. Yeah, C.J. Bethard. Um, both have looked good when they've had to fill in for Jimmy Garoppolo, but neither is going to be the future there. Or so we think, because Jimmy G did get paid. However, he's yet to be able to stay on the field for a full season. Do you think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the future star quarterback of this franchise? Yeah, I think uh, he's going to be given every opportunity to... uh be the star quarterback and he's flashed great ability nice touch uh he's gonna have to rebuild the confidence in that rebuilt knee and uh, as long as that comes along and he gets comfortable with that i feel like uh, they've got some young weapons and uh a pretty talented head coach to be able to put that team in position so i i can see garoppolo having a, a good year this year yeah, I don't know if he's going to finish up there in the top 12 like some are predicting, but I, I am with you. If he can stay healthy, especially in a Kyle Shanahan offense, I expect him to put up a decent amount of points. You mentioned the weapons he has around him. Let's start at the running back position and talk about the multiple weapons he has there. All three running backs of which do pretty much the same thing, much better receivers than they are runners. Not to say that none of them can run the ball. They all are decent at running the ball as well, but I would imagine I would, uh, think you would agree that all three of them are better receivers than they are runners of the ball. you got Jarek McKinnon, who they paid last year. They have Tevin Coleman, who they paid this year in free agency. And then Matt Breida, who has been the guy who really stepped up in the absence of Jarek McKinnon when he tore his ACL last offseason. Out of those three, who do you think takes the ball and is the lead back in this group? Well, I think that they want it to be – McKinnon and Coleman uh you know the coach Shanahan likes to run that two back set uh or use two backs uh, I guess probably a better way to put it and uh with with using the two backs they're going to get opportunity uh and it's you know I I remember uh so I live here in Columbus and Archie Griffin tends to be on TV a lot with with Ohio State football, and, uh, and he talks about Woody Hayes, and he's like, you know, when I played, Woody Woody always had this saying, said you got to have a pair and a spare, and, uh, and they, that was what he was referring to with the uh, tailbacks. And so that's kind of how San Francisco is set up. 
They've got Coleman, who I think they're going to give the opportunity to be the lead back this year. Um, then McKinnon, who they brought in, you know, I was, I got to be honest, I wasn't terribly impressed with McKinnon when he was, when he got his chance in Minnesota. So I, I, the one back, the, the back that impresses me is Matt Breida. And he's a tough son of a gun. And he, he didn't miss any games last year, but he was injured. Uh, he played through a bunch of injuries. And he's, he's a good running back. So I would love to see Breida kind of sneak in and take that job uh, and become that lead back, be, be the Devonta Freeman Um I think Breda Breda has that ability, and uh, you know that he I, he's the cheapest of the three right now too. So I think yes. I would go. Correct me. You've got the uh, the yeah, ADP I there. Have, Correct I have me the if that's statement. Uh, pulled up here. So again, FFWC ADP Matt Breda is much cheaper than all th- than both of them. But Tevin Coleman is going a lot higher than I thought. So he's being drafted right around the seventy seven mark. Jarek McKinnon going around 114, and then Matt Breida at 133. So about 15, a little bit more than 15 picks cheaper than Jarek McKinnon, but a lot cheaper than Tevin Coleman, which is a little surprising to me. I'm guessing everyone is buying into the whole Tevin Coleman being paired back with Kyle Shanahan thing and why he's going so much higher than the other two. Certainly looks like it, huh? Yeah, I mean, all right, so if you're asking me, I probably would agree with you, even though I don't think Matt Breida is going to be that fantasy relevant. So I guess if if I had to take, if I was making a choice, I probably would try the same thing as these tight end ones we've been talking about. I'd avoid it at all costs. Um, I do think Tevin Coleman is going to have a decent year, but I think it's going to be split between him and McKinnon at first. But I agree, one of those guys is likely going to get injured. They've just done it almost every single year they've been in the NFL, unfortunately, which then is going to bring Matt Breida in. So if you're going to take him at that 133 spot, you're likely going to get a guy who's going to be able to put up a decent amount of fantasy points late in a draft, especially because Matt Breida, even though he has been known to get injured as well, still plays through those injuries where we have not seen Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon do it. I would just avoid all three. I mean... If you could get the right one, I think you have a chance to get a really good running back because running backs in Kyle Shanahan's offenses have been outstanding. I just don't know who you can trust, and I think it's a waste of roster spots if you try and roster all three of them. Uh, I would concur. So moving on to the wide receivers where we have another very interesting battle. Obviously, everybody seems to be in on Dante Pettis this year as he has really kind of, I guess, kind of stepped up and become that number one there in this offense. You've got Marquise Goodwin, who's taken a little bit of a step back. Uh, Jalen Hurd, the rookie, Richie James. you got Jordan Matthews came over in the offseason, Max McCaffrey. Debo Samuel, who they drafted, everybody is pretty excited about, and Trent Taylor. Again, Dante Pettis seems to be set as the one there. A lot of people thinking Debo will slide easily into that slot role. However, I do think he'll have to battle with Jordan Matthews a little bit there. Jordan Matthews is mainly a slot wide receiver. So out of all of those guys, who do you think outside of Pettis ends up getting that slot role and that second spot on the outside? Well, uh, Debo... They spend enough draft capital on Debo Samuel that they're going to have him on the field. Uh, whether he's in the slot or whether he's outside in two wide receiver sets, um, 
they're, they're going to play him, and, and rightfully so. Uh, Matthews, I, I, Matthews is kind of turning into that consistent guy that you need to have on your team in case something goes wrong and you need somebody that can step in and start. But Matthews has had enough lower body injuries that he just doesn't have the explosion he had when he came out of college. Um, so, you know, he's going to be, I feel like he'll be on the roster bubble. Matthews is turning into one of those guys that gets cut during preseason. And then after week one, when veteran contracts aren't guaranteed anymore, then he'll get signed. Uh, Jalen Hurd, I'm, I, I like when I look at the measurements and, you know, stuff with Hurd, I kind of like what I see, you know, 6'5", 230, 449 speed, I think it was. But he just doesn't have the experience playing the position. And I think he's got so much to learn. He's he's essentially a less athletic uh, DK Metcalf. He's big, he's fast, and he can only do, because of his experience and his size, right now he's really limited as to what he can do. I, I don't think that you can, you know, you, you're not going to be able to give him a big route tree because at, at 6'5", it takes some time to learn the nuances of running those routes. Trent Taylor flashed last year, and I think he, he's a, a capable slot guy. But I just don't think that uh, he's going to play over Debo Samuel. And if Jordan Matthews makes the team, Matthews has shown that uh, the slot has probably been the better position for him. Uh, he can play that big slot. So, you know, I suppose I could see a scenario where Matthews is, uh, because he's a bigger guy, big slot, maybe he's on the team to mentor Samuel. And uh, they let Debo play some outside. Uh when they need uh, three wide receivers there. So uh, I, I like Samuel, and, and I'm definitely grabbing Samuel in Dynasty. My concern with Pettis is can he stay healthy for 16 games? Yeah. Same thing with Marquise Goodwin. You know, Goodwin flashes. Uh, you know, he, he looks good on the outside. I think if they were going to go and line up today and play a game, uh, it would be Goodwin and Pettis on the outside with Samuel in the middle. Yeah, so for me, uh, I don't. I'm not taking. I have not been taking Pettis because I just don't believe that he could be. I don't think he's going to be quite as good as a lot of other people do. I think they've been extrapolating his stats and saying he could be a wide receiver one. I personally don't see it. I know he's the number one wide receiver in a Kyle Shanahan offense, so maybe it's easy to believe that. I think I, for me, I kind of have to see it to believe it, which which means I'm not going to get him. Love Debo as well. Uh, you know, you and Jared Wackerly back in the day when, when we had him on during all the combine stuff were the ones who really kind of turned uh, me on to him. I wasn't that big of a fan of him, but I've really kind of come around. I think he has a chance to be really good there in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Uh, Kyle Shanahan actually read some interviews uh, before about him and Debo Samuel both talking about how Debo would love to go play for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. And Kyle Shanahan talked about how he thought Debo Samuel was the perfect slot receiver. So I think he's going to work out well there. Uh, the guy that I'm really interested in, and I've been taking really late in drafts, the guy you touched on earlier, and I have the same feelings as you do in Jalen Hurd. He's a very interesting prospect. 
he's not someone that I think is going to be fantasy relevant this year. He's likely not going to do anything for probably a couple years. He's extremely raw. He's rawer than DK Metcalf. But I do think give him a couple years. If I've been assume Kyle Shanahan's going to stay in San Francisco, he did get the ten year contract or not ten years, but uh, five years, something like that with John Lynch. Um, I do think if he's given a couple years, he could be a really good weapon on the outside opposite of Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel. So he's got him taking really late and stashing and hoping that he'll he'll work out in a couple years. But other than him, I'm taking Debo and I'm just kind of avoiding the rest of them. There, there's only one receiving option I want on this uh, this core here, and it's George Kittle, which uh, there's really no battle there for tight end. We can kind of wrap up the San Francisco 49ers with that. Uh, there's nobody that's going to battle with Kittle. That tight end spot, he has a chance to be the best tight end in fantasy this year, I think, um, especially if Debo is the only one who's really producing in that receiving core. I will say that I do think Caden Smith is a very interesting prospect. Uh, if you own George Kittle, I would try and grab him late in your rookie drafts or maybe off the waiver wire in week one or two because he's not going to be fantasy relevant this year. But if George Kittle ever does suffer an injury and go down in the next couple years, I think Caden Smith is someone who could easily step up or when they when he eventually does get caught up to NFL speed in two, uh, two tight end sets could be someone who could be fantasy relevant because he does have a very good offensive skill set that he showed off in college. Caden uh, Smith is never going to get up to offensive uh, NFL offensive speed. Have you watched him? He's slow as hell. Well, I mean, he doesn't have to be fast. I just need him to catch the ball when he's down in the end zone. Uh, I right. kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Let us let's wrap up the the last camp battle here. The last camp team battle here in the Arizona Cardinals. There's really. Only one position that has a battle here, so we'll just run through it. Obviously, the QB, no battle here. Kyler Murray is going to be the guy. I know, um, I would say we're both interested to see how it plays out. You're more skeptical than I am that this offense could translate into the NFL. Um, you know, we'll see, but I'm excited at least to see if they're able to make it work because I do, th- I think if they're able to bring a College offense-ish like game plan in there and make it where Kyler Murray is going to be a stud. Uh, running back, no battle here. David Johnson's going to be the guy. I do think that them bringing this offense over is going to increase David Johnson's value. I think he easily has a shot to go right back up there and be like a top three running back again this year. Do you think David Johnson has a shot to jump into that top three to five running back ranking uh, this year being in this new offense with Cliff Kingsbury? I think he's definitely going to climb back up. I would probably have him at number five, um, I, maybe six. I, I like Johnson. I think he's going to get back to catching a lot of passes again this year. Uh, this offense is designed a little more to use the running back uh, in space, and so there will be uh, not nearly as much uh, hand the ball off, run run behind the center, when there's 10 guys in the box. So I, I like Johnson to bounce back yeah. and uh, to, to his pre-injury you know, f- glory. Yeah, and, and not only that, um, 
if for anybody who's watched Cliff Kingsbury and his offenses in college, he also does a very good job of using the running back in the receiving game, something we saw David Johnson do a very good job of in Bruce Arians' offenses in the past couple years. So I would imagine he's going to get a lot of work there as well, which will definitely increase his value some more. Uh, I want to touch on tight end really quick since there's really not a battle here so we can save the rest of our time for the wide receivers. Um, do you think Charles Clay or Ricky Seals-Jones, who are likely the two battling for that starting spot, I would imagine it goes to Ricky Seals-Jones, um, but do you think either one of them has any fantasy value uh, this year or in the future? Well, I, th- I think it's going to come down to, you know, Jones is a former wide receiver, and they could potentially line him up and split him out so that in, in quasi four wide receiver sets. So if you have uh, Johnson in the backfield and four wide receivers, the challenge with that's going to come down to you know that offensive line was terrible last year and they lost a ton of um, uh, starter games to injuries and and it really showed in the beating that uh, Sam Bradford and Josh Rosen and uh, anybody else that played quarterback for that team last year took. So it's uh, if that offensive line can get healthy, that alone should improve it. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what that does. You know, if they throw the ball as much as everybody feels like they're going to, then I could see a tight end becoming fantasy relevant because essentially they're going to be used as a slot wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm probably going to avoid both of them. Uh, same thing. I feel like this whole division outside of George Kittle, there's no tight end that's worth anything in fantasy. Uh, if I had to take a shot on one, it'd be Ricky Seals Jones, but it would be extremely late. So going with the wide receivers here. The first two spots are pretty much locked up. You know you're going to get Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk. Uh, Fitz probably his last year in the league. A lot of people thought last year would be his last year. He did decide to come back. We'll see if he decides to come back again, though I'd imagine he wouldn't. This will be it for him. So that comes down to Andy Isabella, my guy, Hakeem Butler. you got Keyshawn Johnson as well who they brought over rookie, right? They drafted him. I don't know why I was thinking that was somebody else. Uh, They drafted him. You've got A.J. Richardson, Trent Sherfield, Kevin White from the former seventh overall pick to the Chicago Bears, Chad Williams, another kind of uh, fantasy darling the past couple years who everybody thought would step up and be a good option there. And Demir Bird, Farrell Cooper, that was the one I was trying to figure out I was missing. Out of all of those guys, do you have faith in any of them to be fantasy relevant? We'll just go with this year since we don't know what will happen with Larry Fitz next year. So Fitz, Kirk, and then is there a guy that you'd be willing to draft to possibly take over of that third spot in this offense? Well, I think it's going to come – it's almost being gifted to Andy Isabella. Uh, I I think that uh, they're looking at him as uh, an outside receiver – there's some talk about moving Larry back outside, but I think the smart move is to keep Larry in the slot and let Isabella run down the field with his 4-3 speed. Uh, if you have Kirk and Isabella on the outside and Ricky Seals-Jones and uh, Larry Fitzgerald on the inside, you know, that's a pretty formidable uh, offense. So I would, uh, of the players, I'm, I'm not a huge Isabella fan, and 
I certainly don't think uh, he's a slot, uh, uh, just a slot guy. Uh, I think that he is out an, an outside guy. He's going to have to prove he can get, get off the um, when when uh, defensive backs play up on him. He, because he is small, he's going to have to prove he can get off the jam. But if he does, he's got the speed to be able to get open and uh, has run a pretty good route tree. So right now, Isabella would be my target for the number three receiver there. And he could potentially uh, bring some real big play threat to the team. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd probably have to lean Isabella with you, although we all know that my love for Hakeem Butler cannot be matched by anyone. I don't think Hakeem Butler does much any of anything this year, but I do think I'm just going to throw this in there now. 2020 is his year when Larry Fitzgerald retires. Just you watch. He will be Ronald excellent. Jones, too. Ronald Jones will break out this year, actually. Thank you, good sir. So don't... <laughs> Don't don't besmirch his good name on this great <laughs> podcast. Ronald Jones, I'm telling you, just watch. Middle tier RB2 this year. We'll just watch. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'll be right at the end of the day, I think. At least I hope so. So that'll do it for everybody, or everybody. That'll do it for us, guys, on all of the camp battles that wraps it up. Excited to finally start getting into training camps. Obviously, we had the Denver Broncos open up yesterday. We've got more opening up all the way through next week, and, and all of them will be open. So we'll start be able to start bringing you guys some news and notes from all the training camps. Uh, it's 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 getting here. We're closer and closer. I believe we're fifty days away right now from the start of the NFL season. So it's almost here, baby. We we cannot wait. Um, Guys, please give us a rate and review. We would appreciate it. Even if it's bad, we will we'll take constructive criticism. We, we're, we're okay with that. We want to get better at this, obviously, and, and become one of the top podcasts. Speaking of which, um, I just got an email today. I don't like to do the that much self-congratulatory stuff, so I'll just say out there, thank you to everybody who has rated and reviewed us and listens to us, downloads. We just made it into... For me, a big number, I think. I'm excited about it when I read the email. We just made it in as one of the top 1,000 sports podcasts um, on Apple and iTunes. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, obviously, you'd love it to be a higher or lower number than that, I guess, would, would be the way to put it. But I did get an email today uh, from Apple um, congratulating us on making it into the top thousand. We are at nine. We are nine hundred and twelfth ranked out of out of a um, wow. Yeah, uh, with the sports podcast. So that was uh, that was a pretty cool email uh, to read this morning. I'm not gonna lie. Obviously, again, for us just doing this for a year, I feel like that's pretty cool to already be in the top thousand of downloaded podcasts. That that's that's a pretty cool milestone for me at least. Uh, for all the hard work that we've put into this, even even just that alone, I think is pretty cool. So I, we appreciate all of the fans who are giving us these downloads and interacting with us because this would not be possible without you guys. Uh, I think I've said this before, and I'll say it again. As much as me and Dennis, I feel like we like to hear ourselves talk, we would not keep doing this if we were the only two downloading this. So we do appreciate everybody else who does and obviously everybody who's reached out to us and, and everybody who's helped us along the way as well because it does mean a lot. Yeah, I I uh, second Matt's sentiment. That's really exciting, uh, and it's it's especially exciting that we didn't just squeak into the top one thousand. Nine hundred and twelve is a pretty pretty nice jump from unranked. Uh, we we really do appreciate uh, the feedback, the the rates, the reviews, the listens, the the DMs asking me questions. Uh, you know, 
it's funny, I'll be sitting at getting ready for bed and it's midnight and I got to get up at six in the morning and I'm still answering questions because uh, I just love to share fantasy football talk and knowledge and, you know, I, there's going to be a chance that there's a chance that I may miss some. Uh, you ask any of the other quote unquote experts out there. They'll tell you that, that they're going to miss some, you know, but I take a look at things. This is what I think. This is why I think it. You make the you make your decision now. So, yeah, it's pretty sweet. Nine hundred twelve. You know, eight ninety nine. Here we come. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's the next goal. Let's make it up. Let's make it into the eight hundred. But yeah, definitely. Uh, like we said, we we appreciate everybody who's who listens and has given us a rate and review so far and all the interactions. It's it's the best part about all of this. Uh, to be honest, I mean. All this stuff is cool right here, but being able to interact with people from all over. I mean, our, our Listener League alone is filled with people from all over the United States. Uh, me and Dennis have talked about it off recording, uh, that we're very popular in Norway, the Isle of Man, and Australia, which I think is just awesome. Uh, so the people are actually listening to us in different countries. I would not have imagined that either. Um, also, the Republic of Korea, which I don't quite understand because I don't think there's that many people that speak English over there, but whatever. Maybe they just like the sounds of our voices i'm cool with that too downloads are downloads i guess at this point uh so we we do appreciate everything that you guys do for us uh before we cut out of here dennis let everybody know again where they can find you on twitter and what you've got going with the dynasty nerds i am at culture underscore coach on twitter and uh you know i i'm kind of digging my new role as managing editor so i'm not writing quite as much or uh at all uh so I don't have anything pending coming out. Uh, I do have a handful of articles I have to get uh, give the once over and get ready for release. So keep watching out for those. Uh, for right now, you you just get to hear my voice and not read my words. <laughs> well, that's all right. You, you're definitely steering everybody. Uh, in the right direction. Uh, I've talked about it multiple times now. Uh, I do apologize to to everybody who's asked me different stuff on Twitter. I've had a lot of real life stuff going on with my my regular day job that has kind of had me push back my article here recently, but I will have it done by this weekend. I've gotten eight of my ten prospects written up, so hopefully that will be dropping sometime next week. The boss man's here with me, so he hears me saying all this stuff, so hopefully uh, we can get that done, and, and once that's out there, uh, if you guys have any questions or any more talks about Debbie stuff, uh, you guys can always hit me up as well on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB. We will be back on Monday to start talking about sleepers and camp news and all kinds of wonderful stuff, so I cannot wait. Dennis, thank you again for jumping on with me, my friend, and have a good weekend. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your pop.